All right. Thank you so much for uh, for joining me on today's podcast. I know this year has been very interesting. Um, There's been a lot that's happened. And I think for me, as I thought about trying to put together some sort of a show of kind of like an end of the year recap, I wanted to try to just really understand how everyone I guess, thought about or are digesting 2022. We had everything from COVID to a continuation of things happening in the DEI space to, I think, technology has picked up a lot this year to um, layoffs and hiring freezes and cash freezes to um, political situations happening. I mean, there's just a lot happening in the world of work. So I figured why not get eight or 10 or 15 people together over the next week or so? I think I've I've already done four. I have another four scheduled um, and I'll just roll these out. So I I appreciate you coming onto this podcast. So please tell everyone who you are and um, a little bit about yourself and then we'll hop in. Sounds good. Thank you so much, Anthony, and glad to be here. Uh, So my name is Randeep. I'm the CEO and founder of Diversal. Uh, Diversal is an employee experience B2B SaaS platform where we help organizations build inclusive workplace cultures. Um, Our aspiration is to be the global standard for inclusion in the workplace. And I would say our mission is having everyone in the workplace uh, have equal and equitable access to the support and resources so they can achieve their full potential. Uh, the talent management piece is so important to me. I'm super passionate about it. So I always felt that there was an intersection between DEIB, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, and talent management. And I kind of believe the philosophy of a lot of the inequity in the workplace is due to bias and subjective hiring practices, policies, and programs. So that is the problem we are looking to solve. And and let me ask you this, and, and I personally know this. Well, actually, I'll ask you this. I'll, I'll switch this way, actually. Sorry about the ADD there. Um, should we should we officially do like an announcement between uh to the world of, of what's going to be happening between you and I, or do we want to kind of leave that um leave that out here? What are your thoughts? Do, should we share, should we share a little bit of context or, or yeah. wait a bit? Yeah, no, we totally can. Whether you want to do it now or at the end, that I'll let you decide, but I absolutely think we should include it. Cool. All right, let's do it now, real quick, because I'm excited about it. Um, we're getting, uh, we're, we're we're inching very closely to uh, to Monday morning, where I think we're going to start officially working together in a in a in a more official capacity. So I'm excited. Um, so anyone listening here, you all know that the 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 E1B2 Collective really is really is a structure of brands that I either personally started or brands that I just care a lot about and I'm committed to and that I'm excited about and, you know, working with in some sort of a fractional model or advising or supporting in some sort of way. And for those that are listening again, you know that every single company that I support has to have some sort of an employee's first methodology baked into how it works, the value that it brings and the impact that it can make on the company. and. I, I always look for companies that I think are either early but have a lot of promising attributes to it, or I like to work with companies that are just so obvious that it needs to be a part of organizations. And I've had the privilege and the honor of, of, of meeting you and, and being able to kind of work and, and help on the partnership side, on some sales side of things, on um, just some strategy overall. So for all the E1B2 listeners, the, the the thousands of people over the years that have tuned in, that have subscribed, um, there's going to be another brand that I'm excited to work with. Um, and I am really eager to, to kind of sink in and figure out how I can make an impact to help this product and the world of DE&I, um, how I can help them, them, them understand what Diversal can bring and what it can do and, and how it can make an impact. And I'm excited for the impact it can inevitably make for for the employees um, that are going to be within these brands that we may be partnering or working with directly. So um, give a little thought and some context on your feelings uh, about working with me and and, and how this all came about from your point of view and kind of how you see this playing out. 
Yeah, I cannot wait to get the process started. Um, you know, we've been speaking for a while now, getting acquainted. And I think, um, you know, we have similar tendencies in the same topics and problems we are looking to solve. Uh, but having slightly different skill sets, I think that will be very complementary. Um, you know, you yourself, you're going to play such an integral role in our go-to-market strategy and execution. So I think, you know, you will ha definitely have an opportunity to make a real impact. And for that, we are super excited. And I just think that, um, you know, the more, I, I think when you can collaborate like strategically with partners, that are looking in the same space and looking to solve similar problems, I think just working together and complementary will uh, be able to accomplish so much more. And uh, and I, I think I know, but for the, and actually I'm trying to remember myself as I'm talking, but for the listeners, how, how did you come across, how do you, what was the original moment you came across me personally? How did that happen? And do you remember like that first interaction? I do. Um, so I was introduced to you via Michael. That's right. That's right. I was trying to find it. Yeah. And for those that are listening, you know, Michael very well. That's how that all worked out. And then yeah. I'm yeah, no, he was great. He was just like, he knew, you know, because Michael and I met because we we're solving a similar problem. And then he was like, you need to speak to Anthony. And then we just spoke and then we we're just, you know, getting to know each other. And then I found out, you know, same thing. I think the intersection of talent and DEIB, you know, that pretty much sold it for me. <laughs> yep. So, so for everyone listening, I'm super excited to work with Diversial. You know, we now have Diversial, you know, almost insight beyond brand, beyond resume, um, MindStand, as you all know, you know, Michael made an announcement was also another company that I was very close to that I kind of looked at as a part of my little collective of brands that I care about that I'm trying to make an impact around. They unfortunately closed their doors, but there was a lot of great work there. So I'm just very excited. I'm super, I'm super eager to get going. And I think there's going to be a lot of impact made to, to kind of jump off and piggyback off of that give us a little bit of more of a deep dive of what you're trying to do in a meaningful way with Diversial. Like paint a little bit of a picture of how um, you see this playing out over the next 12 months with heads of DEI internally, folks that are overseeing DEI efforts, HR teams, ops teams. Like how, how do you see this really playing out over the next six to 12 months? Little 90 second, if you have some thoughts on that. Sure. Yeah. I think the really interesting thing is that, um, you know, I mean, this phrase is probably overused, but like DEIB is a journey, but that also means that every organization um, has a little bit of a different, um, I would say, pace and status to it in regards to how far along they are. Um, I think the great thing about Diversal is that what we're looking to do is um, provide organizations with an automated way of managing their programs. So even though there is some standardization from, you know, compliance and a lot of it just like goals, objectives, and making sure that there's a measurable way to track and monitor your progress. So, you know, we can actually move the needle on DEIB, but then at the same time, you can um, customize certain programming that will be more relative to your organization. And I think that's why we really wanted to lead with the inclusion piece. I think, um, you know, people often assume it is all one thing, but diversity and inclusion are not mutually exclusive. So we really want to emphasize the fact that you can have one with the other. And just because you have one doesn't mean you have the other. So when you lead with inclusion, it means that everyone is included and everyone, like I said at the top, our mission is everyone has equal and equitable access. So we just really want to make sure that everyone can bring, you know, their full authentic selves. And I always say, when people feel included, they feel engaged. When they're engaged, they're productive. And when they're productive, guess what? It impacts your bottom line. So to me, it's a win-win. No, I, I really agree with that. And, and you know what's interesting? I shared with Michael on our wrap-up show um, that I think, I think the HR tech stack is going to be a very interesting thing in 2023. Um, from like a, a strategy perspective, like like the HR teams, the CEOs, the companies out here that are being very thoughtful about the HR tech stack that they utilize and have. And when I and when I say HR tech stack, for those that may not understand what I mean by that, you know, you may have technology and internal comms. Obviously, this would be a technology that's utilized 
within the DEI landscape. You may have technology on the payroll side. You may have technology on the benefit side. You may have technology that 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 is an over encompassing from like an HRS perspective, where it kind of manages a lot of different um, different functions in the HR space. You may have a technology on the recruiting side. Uh, what are your thoughts on that at, at a high level? Being someone that's founding and another company that I think can be yet another uh, solution, another product within someone's stack. Do you, do you think that's a that's a strategic and smart and interesting focus that a lot of you know C-suite leaders and just leaders period need to be a little bit more thoughtful about heading into 2023? Oh, for sure. But I always think it's the value proposition, right? Like what value are you going to bring to the organization to make it worthwhile? And to me, I position Diversial as like a virtual chief inclusion officer. And, you know, I, I am obviously very, very, um, appreciative of all the hard work that our DEIB partners do in organizations. But at the same time, you know, people are looking at their bottom line. And so if we can provide a solution that is a fraction of the cost, but, you know, efficient from a data perspective and a way to, as I mentioned, you know, uh, quantify your DEIB program, I just think that's a no-brainer in my opinion. But at the same time, too, you know, we plan to and that's kind of how we met too. is like, you know, um, collaborating with other strategic partnerships where we can be able to integrate with them as well, because we know we obviously don't want to overwhelm organizations with having access to different tools. But at the same time, there aren't very many tools, if any, to my knowledge, that are able to do what we are planning to do. I love that. And, and what would you think, you know, would be as you look into 2023, what would be probably the most important data that Diverse will be able to kind of give to, to someone that will be overseeing the product and utilizing it and, try, and trying to frankly make more strategic decisions when utilizing it? What, what do you think is one of those things that stick out for you? Yeah, I would say 100%. And this is just my perspective, because it's what I come from the world of finance, and it went to business school. So for me, quantifying things is super important. I measure everything. And so that's kind of the way we designed our tool too. So one, you can track your progress year over year, you know, from like an engagement perspective, from demographic data, and from even like compliance governance, like you shouldn't have to uh, start from scratch every year if you can just leverage from previous years and kind of lay the groundwork. But then also... I would say the thing I'm probably most excited about is our inclusion index. So it's a combination, kind of like a scorecard for inclusion. And so that is something that, you know, we continue to build, you know, our database for 2023. And hopefully by the end, we can look back and start categorizing organizations, you know, based on peer groups, et cetera, and see where they fit in. And I think a lot of the data we plan to collect will be really telling and help um, you know, and we really want to share from a thought leadership perspective too, um, you know, the insights that we learn over the year as well. Yeah, very important. Very important. Um, all right, let me do this. What um, what comes to mind as you think about 2022? Like, what's the first thing that pops up? No, no, I'm kind of putting you on the spot. No, no, no. It's so funny because <laughs> I just um I just posted on our social media yesterday too, just 2022 rewind. And I kind of listed off some of the top, you know, work talk tracks of the year. If I was gonna pick five for 2022, I would say, I mean, I can't ignore it as much as I'm sick and tired. Hopefully we can leave it in 2022, but like quiet quitting is, was one of the big ones. Um I think layoffs as well. I would say the battle between remote, hybrid, and office is still ongoing and will continue in 2023. Um, and then towards the end of the year, it, it started out more very heavy on the recruitment side, but then it ended more focused on retention. And then I would end with workplace wellness really kind of came to the forefront, right? Um, having, you know, access to mental health solutions and psychologically safe spaces, but as well addressing burnout, for example. Um, so that that was great to finally see being prioritized at organizations. Let me ask you a personal question. Um, maybe not a personal question, a question that may be personal to some people. Um, mm -hmm. How... 
and I'm sure there's laws and rules around this, you know, and, and this is probably me showing a bit of my ignorance and maybe I need to open up the Sherm, the Sherm book there and, and, and refresh my memory a bit uh, from like an HR compliance perspective and like a HIPAA perspective. But on the, on the mental health part, mm-hmm. how, how much should and how deep and how honest and how vulnerable should employees be with their direct reports in a supervisor level, at a director level, at a VP level? How much should supervisors, VPs, managers, how much should they know about the mental health status of their people? And how much should they have that counselor-like, therapeutic-like skill and ability? Like, like we're, we're, because I, I know there's a bit of a gray area that comes into play where you can kind of get, you can kind of get too close to the sun a bit. And it can make things a little uncomfortable. But at the same time, as you inch nearer to the sun, and when I mean the sun, I mean, you know, knowing too much, right? Getting, 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 getting too much into the weeds, getting too much into the personal life. But, but, when I, but I know as you inch closer to it, there are values there where, um, where, where as, you inch ne- as you inch nearer, you can build a little bit more of an a, a empathetic and, and personal relationship with with that person that can build trust that can actually translate into that person working harder for you in the future and and going above and beyond and being super even being even more strategic be even more productive because they feel like not that they owe you but they feel like they 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 want to work hard for you kind of like a you have an athletic background kind of like when a coach really understands the player's life family things that they're going through you know the 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 player feels like you want to you want to work hard you want to you want to show up you want to you want to do well for your coach when you feel like your coach actually gives a and I can curse on this podcast and you don't mind either uh you know actually gives a shit about you so what are, what are your thoughts on all of that like how how close to the sun should these leaders be yeah no i think it's a very fair question but i i think um it depends. I hate giving that answer, but I'll say a couple of things. One, um, inclusive leadership, that's where it starts, right? And, you know, not to put in a plug, but we do have a workshop around that. And what does that mean? Um, that is a, is meaning that you are going to always, um, like, manage your team independently. I think management 101 is knowing your people and recognizing that everyone is different. So you can't always have a one size fits all approach. So once you start getting to know your people, and I mean, like, yeah, there's a work element, but also outside of work, you know, where did they grow up? Where did they go to school? What do they like to do on the weekends? Like to me, I practice this all the time. So for me, I had great relationships with my team. And so they were super comfortable telling me this, but I, not everyone has that same emotional and social intelligence, right? So I don't think you can always teach these things. And this is where I think third-party solutions are super helpful, like using, you know, some of those apps, whether it's like Headspace or Calm or, you know, around meditation or even just access to, um, you know, the um, specialist that can assist in that. But I think the most important thing is having an open dialogue to your point, you know, player coach, for sure, when they feel comfortable discussing that with you, you don't need to know the ins and outs of it. But I think the support that you can provide and the access to the resources will go a long ways, because it's way more detrimental having somebody who's disengaged or going through some things and you have no idea and then it just you know ends up going downhill so it's better to address it and I think at the end of the day yeah the employee will appreciate it they'll come back refreshed you know and I think it's a once again it's better for the organization rather than just disregard and ignore or try like a really cutthroat hardcore you know one size fits all approach yeah no, I agree. And it can be used strategically. Like, for instance, you know, a lot of a lot of people that I've had that have worked for me, um, partnered with me. I, I will admit I, I rub too close to the line sometimes. And, and I always apologize when I do. But I genuinely like to know, you know, if you are personally going through a lot of stuff, like like if there's things happening with your family, if there's things happening with a partner of yours, if there's things happening just with your own energy levels and your own mental health levels. Um, I wanna know them immediately so I can readjust my expectations of you, right? So I can, and, and I think that's so empathetic and so strategic, like for like a very tactical example, you know, if there, if there's a, if there's a, you know, a product, a product team lead 
that has a, a team of engineers and you know one of the engineers inevitably is going through a lot whether it's financially you know mentally emotionally family wise knowing that early in the process when you have a deadline to to meet um you can be a little bit more strategic maybe you can pull someone out from another team and, and have them give a little bit more support maybe you can build in a little bit more flexibility into their schedule maybe you can uh, take a few things off their plate so they can focus just on meeting that deadline and spend the other time handling some of those family dynamics and some of the mental health dynamics. So I think, again, it's it's a, it's a gray area, but I think the more a leader can know about what's happening, you can make a strategic decision that can actually impact the business while also sending a message to your, 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 your employees and your, and your direct reports that you're being thoughtful. So it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a bit of that and I always say this to people, everyone listens to this podcast and knows me. They're like, oh, he's the employee's first guy. He literally doesn't even care about the business. And I'm like, no, everyone listening, it's E1, B2. So the B is there, like business is there. Like I, I'm not ignoring the business. And frankly, if anyone really knows my story, they know that I come from a world where it was very much business first. You know, I, I'm, I'm a founder first. I'm a CEO first. I'm a, I, I, I was never that guy that started as a HR generalist or a recruiter and just inevitably rose throughout the ranks and always had a people-centered mindset. If anyone really knows my story, they know I made a very crucial mistake early on. So I'm very business-focused. So I think to wrap all that up, and would love your thoughts on that. I think you can have a nice ebb and flow between really caring about um, someone at a personal level, but also taking that data to make some adjustments so, they can, so that they can still, you know, crush their deliverables or they or that they can still be strategic enough to to get things done or if you personally need to do some reshuffling with you know with workflows and uh, expectations and things of that nature so what, what are your what are your macro thoughts on all that yeah i i would just to build on that too i think there's two elements so i i agree with you like sometimes people are going through things and i meant i was the one that mentioned like the workplace wellness piece of it but then oh. on the flip side it's um cognitive diversity so for me that's super important and that is always how i've led and managed my teams meaning that everyone's brains are different we already know this everyone is different but everyone has different motivational drivers everyone has different behaviors and preferences how they work right like to me i I'm, uh, you know, I'm a more private person, so I'm never going to share anything unless somebody asks me, but proactively, I will never do that. And it's just, but like, I don't take it personally. It's just how I am. And then work-wise too, like I like working asynchronously and autonomously. I like to have as minimal meetings as possible, right? That's my preference. So when you know what people prefer and what they like, what kind of schedules they want to make, et cetera, you can always get the best out of them. To me, that's always the ultimate goal. Like going back to the sports references, like I hate losing more than I like to win. So to me, it's always about winning and trying to do the best possible. No, 100%, 100%. I love that. Um, what were some other things that uh, were top of mind? No, you already gave me a few, so I'll, I'll actually I'll pull another one that she said. The quiet, the quiet quitting in 2022. Do you think that was more of a... Do you think that was more of a conversation, a, a thing that obviously is happening, a headline or do you think companies are now moving from hey this is happening this is a headline this is something that we need to be aware of aware of to actually making some changes and solutions you know one of the biggest keynotes that i did this past year uh one of one of the topics that i was covering was on quiet quitting and a lot of the work that can be done to to kind of work on that but do you think there have been enough companies that have taken that seriously from a strategic standpoint yeah, it's interesting. I think when at the height of that term, um, I think it was addressed differently. But as far as the economics situation has, you know, changed a little bit towards the end of the year, I think some people have different thoughts. What do I mean? Um, I there was a big shift in employee empowerment, and I am all like similar to you. I I think when you empower employees, you're gonna hit your bottom line that much, you know, harder. So it's a win-win when you do it that way. 
Um, but at the same time, to me, this is nothing new. It's just like another term for engagement, right? And it was the first time where, yeah, employees probably had more bargaining power than employers in a very long time. So that's where this quiet quitting kind of stemmed out of. But then towards the end of the year, and once again, there's a lot of mixed signals because yes, there was tremendous layoffs, more so in tech than other industries. But at the end of the day, there was still a surplus in net new roles versus losses and layoffs. So candidates still have more bargaining power than they did, like say pre-2020, maybe not as much, you know, during the peak, but they still do. And I think that'll still continue. So that's where the retention piece is so important. So if organizations want to really, really, you know, um, get the best out of their candidates and hold on to the best people, you should really, really focus on the retention. And that's part of the solution for that for diversal as well is understanding your employees so you can put them in best positions. And we already know like, career progression is usually like top three, hands down. One of the reasons why people leave the organization. So I want to give you some thoughts on that because I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Um, mm -hmm. with, with the Beyond Brand Company and the Beyond Resume Company, they're like brothers and sisters and cousins to each other, right? Beyond, beyond Brand, Beyond Resume, right? So they're, they're, they're really like a reflection and a mirror <clears throat> to each other. And I think I've given you a bit of context, but I'll, I'll do a little bit here. And, and everyone that's, been, that's listening, you probably have heard me talk about this a thousand times. But with Beyond Resume, there are, we call them operational realities or th like expectations, needs, and desires that, that a professional has um, from a timing perspective that are incredibly important to them. So for instance, career progression is one of them. Like I believe every single professional for the most part, not all, but for the most part, you know, your high level professionals, they have an idea in their mind, what they're, what they're looking for, what they need, what they desire, what they expect from a career progression and what the company will do about that. It could be financial elements. It could be more responsibility. It could be new titles. It could be working with different teams, whatever the case is going to be. And with the beyond resume executions that I'm doing, I think it's incredibly important to help professionals understand what that timing looks like for them and really understand what they expect from the company within that time window to, to help them meet their professional goals and their career mapping goals, if you want to look at it from that angle. On the exact opposite of it, what I help companies do with beyond brand is say, tell your people directly in this new technology way that I have beyond brand, but to keep it scrappy, tell your employees directly where they stand, where the company stands, frankly, from a career mapping perspective, from a career, you know, from a laddering perspective, from a career progression perspective, because you and I both know companies know if they're going to have more opportunities in an 18 month window, if that person is going to be able to put themselves in position and companies know what someone can do down to the T to put themselves in a position to get a promotion, to put themselves in a position to have um, to have more to have more um, more impact, more responsibility. You know, I remember one thing, and then I'll, and then I'll end it this way. Keith Ferrazzi, who is a phenomenal, a lot of people don't know him, but he's a phenomenal guy that works in the neuroscience neuroscience uh, sector. Um, and helps companies also kind of figure out how to utilize neuroscience to help with their performance management systems and things of that nature. And he always talks about be very, very, very direct and detailed with your people. Give them a very clear roadmap. You have to do this, 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 and this over the next 12 months, and you will be in the position to get this promotion, work on new projects, whatever the case is going to be. And companies fail miserably at that. Um, and it's not even like this, you know, it's not even like this radical idea. They have the data, just communicate it, just hold space for your team leaders of six, for your department leaders, for your, you know, for your directors, your VPs, hold space to, to update them, whether that's quarterly, whether that's during the one-on-ones and be very, very contextual to that individual and paint a very clear roadmap and support them along that roadmap. So to your point, I think that was definitely one of the biggest factors of quiet quitting. And it's a very easy fix, whether it's 
utilizing a beyond resume approach where you just un, you, you have a deep meaningful a 90 minute one-on-one with each and every one of the employees that you lead and just really understand what pro- career progression timing looks like for them individually and contextually or on the beyond brand side of things where sit down give you know have someone facilitate and really unpack your thoughts in an internal communications perspective and tell your people tell your team this is where you personally stand. This is where we stand as it pertains to the next opportunities and new roles that we're going to need. We're going to try to hire from within with these type of roles. We're going to try to hire from, you know, hire outside of the organization for these. Here are the reasons behind both. And here's what you can do to position yourself better from an LD perspective, from an upskilling perspective. So I'm ranting now, but I just think there's a lot that can be done. And it's actually very simple um, as it pertains to career progressions and things of that nature. And I don't think employees are asking for too much. So what are your thoughts on all of that? No, you are absolutely correct. But the key word is in theory, like it should not be that complicated, but you know why it is. And okay. And I I don't want to get started on this topic because I will not stop, but leadership is like, there's a massive disconnect. And especially in the era now, um, I do not think, you know, majority of people managers out there are equipped with the skills to be able to navigate this new wave of career mapping. A couple of things. One, there's a lot of differences in generations. I don't know why people ignore that, but it's very evident, you know, boomers versus millennials versus Gen Z. We have certain tendencies on how we want to work. A perfect example is me. My entire career as working in a financial institution, and they expected you to follow through a particular continuum, but that was not appealing to me. No one ever, ever, ever tried to understand what kind of work I want to do, what motivates me, and where you know my strengths lie and how best to position myself. So I had to figure it out myself. But that also made me, I would say, a bit of an expert in career mapping, because once you can understand these things about candidates, you could put them in the right direction. That's the problem. Most people don't really understand how to put their employees in the best position. And then employees, you can't blame them because they don't know what they don't know. So they're supposed to rely on their manager, right? And then you have a lot of mismatched guidance where I think we need to focus on is more, you know, I think we talk about career portfolios or career, you know, lattices or whatever you want to refer to it as, where people should focus on the skills they want to develop, not necessarily the roles, but the skills that I think would allow candidates and organizations to create more mutually beneficial situations. No, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Um, heading into 2023, what, um, what, what comes to mind as it pertains to some of these topics, diversal directly, what, you know, what, what's the first thing that comes to mind that you think in this first quarter of 2023, companies need to take, take very seriously and be very intentional around? What, what's the first thing that comes to mind? For sure. And I, I'm going to I'll start with the career mapping since we just finished with it. But I, yeah. in no particular order, I think that is by far one of them. I will continue to um, see more enhancement in workplace culture. I think people really are confused. And when I say people, I mean, senior leadership. Once again, I think they don't understand how important workplace culture is for, you know, younger generations, for example. I remember reading a Gartner study and um, they were just talking about, you know, what preferences are in boomers, like place like workplace culture, like dead last and Gen Z and millennials, it was top two or three. So that tells you once again, like how important that is. Um, I'm going to say DEIB for sure. I think there's a lot of miss Uh, I would say information or communication or just misunderstanding of the status of what that looks like in the upcoming year. But I think it needs to continue to be at the forefront. Otherwise, we're never going to, you know, get to where we are. And also, like, we already know from a business perspective, it makes a lot of sense. I think it's the execution uh, sometimes people struggle with. So I'm hoping Diversal can help with that. And then the other two I would say that are going to be super important are, um, you know, pay transparency laws are coming into effect. So we saw a big, big, huge um, improvement on more, you know, um, uh, equity audits, et cetera, from a compensation perspective. And then flexibility. I, I, You cannot underestimate how important. So when I mentioned the 
you know, career development, career mapping is top three. The other two are flexibility and then compensation. So those three are always, always need to be priority for organizations. You have a financial background. So let me ask you this question. Um, years ago, and I've moved, I've moved past it because I don't think there's a real way to do it. But let's just brainstorm on it again, brainstorm on it again now that I'm a bit older, a little bit wiser, and, and this is really in your space. So um, I had a concept years ago, and I never named it correctly, but it, I pretty much the concept was like, it was like contextualizing someone's, um, someone's salary. So what I mean by that is when I was ahead of people internally, what I would do is I would have one-on-ones a lot, but I would have these quarterly one-on-ones where I would get an update on someone's life in many different categories. And one of those categories were, were career mapping and another category was finances. Because, and here's why I would do it every 90 days. Typically every 90 days to six months, your high performers, I'll make it very clear there, your high performers usually at a minimum twice a year are thinking about, am I doing enough career-wise, professionally, my role, the impact I'm making, the things that I'm working on? Do I need to make tweaks and adjustments? Like usually twice a year, there's like a moment at, you know, during a Tuesday evening over a couple glasses of wine or on the weekend with their family, you know, or themselves. Usually like there's a moment a few times a year where a high professional individual or high level individual from a professional perspective takes a moment and just does like a, does like an audit of where they are professionally and their role and their impact. Um, and if there needs to be tweaks and adjustments. And so I felt as a head of people, I want to know about, I, I want to know what that looks like. I want to know if I need to be a little bit more thoughtful and make some adjustments and tweaks on the career mapping plans that we may have put in place six months previous or from last year's what a one that we had around this, right? The second thing, and maybe, and this is a little bit different. So this isn't so much um, the, the highest performing individuals who usually get paid the most, but this is for maybe the middle pack individuals. I always felt coming from where I come from that there's a consistent ebb and flow year by year, potentially on what someone what someone's contextual financial status looks like and what they need from their company. So this is what I mean by that. Every six months or so, and this may just be my life, and that's why I kind of stopped working on it, because maybe this is personal to me, but every six months or so, there's something that happens. My mother needs more from me. My wife needs more from me. I just want more financially. There are emergencies that take place where my financial needs have spiked. Um, uh, you know, there's a family member that moves in. There are, you know, there's, it just seems like every six months or so, there's something financially that happens. And so I came up with this concept where I said, well, what if we were to try to find a way to meet employees where they are financially, where once a year, every 18 months or so, we do a check-in and we like just really do a full audit of what's happening in their life personally and little slight adjustments and tweaks that they personally want to make on the career mapping side and the financial side of things. So not your traditional like, hey, you know, it's time for you to make a little bit more money. It's time for you to do your traditional end of year review, but more or less like a keeping a pulse and keeping a finger on what's happening in someone's life personally. So long story short, I said, is there a way possible that we can go to each and every individual and say, what do you need personally? Like, what do you need personally? Like, what are the ebbs and flows of that? Um, and what is that number? Obviously, as I've gotten more mature, I've realized again that you need to have consistency with that because you'll have a person that has the exact same job, does the exact same things, making eighty-four thousand, but the other person says, "I don't really need eighty-four thousand. I'm a single. I'm a single." I'm a single guy. I'm a single person. I'm, I'm, I live in a one bedroom apartment. I don't really like to do too much. I'm pretty frugal. I'll be just fine with 57,000. So you, you really can't, you really, it's hard to, it's hard to build a system to do that. But, but anyway, what are your thoughts on all of that? 
I was trying to find a way to just simply meet people where they are and make finances the last thing they have to think about, right? If we as a company can erase any anxiety around finances, I think we're taking a step in the right direction to gain their trust, their engagement, and their dedication to the organization. I don't want finances to be a conversation that is negative, that is scary, that is uncomfortable. I want to eliminate that by meeting them where they are contextually. How could something like this exist in your in your opinion? I know it's probably crazy and very ignorant, but I've always wanted to try to do this. No, no, I, I you're you definitely have the right intent, and so like I think anyone would appreciate an organization that cares about their financial well being, right? And so I'll say two things. Yes, coming from uh, working in the world of finance, yeah, I learned that working there. But if I hadn't, which I know from a lot of you know friends who never worked in that industry, you know they were always behind as the result of that lack of financial literacy and education. So I would say two things. One, I think organizations should do that. And I I would definitely like to implement that at Diversal one day too, where we have financial wellness like type of workshops. And so people have access to, you know, professional advice and resources so they can be putting themselves in that best position. And then on the second part, which is more what you were talking about, um, is giving people, I think it's the option. Not everyone will feel comfortable having these discussions, but I think if you give them an option, the people who do want to take advantage absolutely could, right? And if there was different ways to structure their pay and or to your point where, you know, people like everyone's motivational drivers are different too, right? So if money is your primary motivational driver, then your manager should know that and put you in positions where you can be in roles that will allow you to maximize financial incentives. So it's, it's once again, it's very, it, these kind of things, in my opinion, need to be customized. There's no blanket solution, but once organizations that will offer these types of options will end up being able to not only, you know, have happier, more engaged employees, but it'll help from a retention perspective as well. Thank you for that. I was on mute. Yeah, I apologize. Um, so knowing that the intention is there, is there a technical or tactical way of doing it? Or is it just too difficult and, and, and hard to scale? No, I think there's a way to do that. Maybe we could, uh, you know, talk about this on, a, on another session for sure. I think it's um, understand like the financial literacy perspective is educating people and in relative to that organization. And that's where like companies should be more transparent in compensation. I'm not sitting here and saying like disclose people's pay. No, talk about what, how their compensation models are structured, right? You know, it's amazing to me. And I worked at very large organizations and small organizations where people had no clue what people were getting paid in other departments right and I think that is a disservice and maybe that's kind of something what you're getting to too is that you know people don't know what they don't know so I think organizations should be more forthcoming on compensation models in different departments 100% here's the last thing I'll say on that and then we'll uh we'll <laughs> head to wrap up here one thing that I I did start doing and I actually stole this any, if anyone, you know, Gary, everyone knows Gary V now, you know, you know who Gary V is, correct? Of course. <laughs> yeah. Which is good for him, right? Because there, there was a point where not a lot of people knew him, but, yep, um, agreed. but um, one thing that he is incredibly underrated on, and I've never, I've actually, I've said this once. Um, do you know Gary V and Claude Silver and the VaynerMedia company is the reason why I became ahead of people? Oh, no, I don't know this. A lot of people don't know this. Yeah. So people underrate Gary Vaynerchuk on his leadership and culture ability. So he did a couple things. Number one, he has a lot of he has a lot of content on this piece that a lot of people don't know. A lot of people know Gary V for his, you know, garage selling or his marketing ideas or his perspectives on the industry or his. Um, social media or and there's many motivational things there's a lot of different pieces of that that people kind of study or learn or understand about Gary V one very subtle underrated thing is the way that he structured Claude Silver who is pretty much his CHRO but he calls the role your chief heart officer 
And what he did with Claude's role is Claude came from finance. So Claude was um, a VP in the finance department. And, and inevitably, she always, everyone that worked with her or, or for her always said, just the way that she connected and loved and appreciated the, the employees that she, that she had working for her, it was, a, it was just very different. And it really scaled her inevitable team and allowed her to like really over-index on the value that she was able to bring to, the, to that particular you know, house of the business in that particular unit. And so inevitably what he did is he put her in the position to pretty much be a CHRO, but he gave her a lot of financial backing to build your more traditional HR team under her. So they have a VP of HR, they have your generalists, they have your recruiters, they have your internal comms teams. You know, she has a very traditional team under her, but they made her the number one role. And this is what they did also. They put her as the number two salary paid, as well as decision maker in the company over the CFO, over the COO, over folks, on, like over everyone else. So it's Gary and then it's Claude. And, and the reason why he said it is he believes that culture and people are the foundation and the backbone of, of, of companies. So that's a, that's, a, that's a little bit of a fun. And then inevitably, hold on, let me, let me explain why I even said all that. I, I, I found out about this whole framework years ago. And I said, that's really interesting. How he structured Claude's role is actually the way I want to actually live out my role. And I want to be more of a strategic partner. I want to have the traditional team underneath of me, but I want to set the tone as it pertains to culture and people, not necessarily be, not necessarily be someone that knows every little thing X, you know, from an X and o, X's and O's perspective on HR, on talent, on people, on culture, things of that nature. So before I give you my thing that I did do that I stole from them that I can apply, what are your quick thoughts on that whole Gary V. Claw thing? Is I don't think a lot of people know that story, actually. Yeah, no, thanks for sharing. I didn't know that story, but I have been following Gary for a while. And it's so interesting because, yeah, I think he's like the king of content. Like there's just so much great content that him and his team put out there. And it's ironic because, any you know, when I see quotes from him or, you know, little uh, clips from him, it's like verbatim, like exactly how I operate. And I'm not saying, oh, I took it from someone. But for me, it's very anecdotal because I... And this sounds horrible, but I just never really had great managers. So I knew the moment that I became a people manager, I will be like, I will be damn good at this job. And I was, that's the one thing I would say with pride that I really, really um, excel at. And so for me, I saw automatically every team I inherited, every team I built, you know, business performance results went through the roof, but it's because I put people in culture first. That's how I always have operated. So that's really at the heart of diversity too is what we want to be able to scale those you know practices um and so other organizations can understand and reap the benefits as well so 100%. in agreement with you for sure 100 percent. so so i say all that to say one idea that i stole from them early on in my uh, head of people career that was connected to compensation they would have these one-on-ones where he pretty much broke down in like a content form because he would share this like when his podcast when he would do he would said he said essentially we would have Claude and other HR team members just sit down with each individual employee and say tell me about what you actually need and he would pretty much share this framework that everyone's in a different stage he would say some people are just getting married and are looking to buy a house in the next few years. So they need more money to do that. Some people are just fine being in their one bedroom apartment in New York. That's small. Some people have a ton of roommates. Some people come from family money. Some people are very fruit. Everyone has different desires professionally um, and, and, and financially. And, and what he would say is if anyone ever came to him or Claude or any of the other leaders and said, we need, I need to make more money because of X, Y, and Z, he wouldn't do the traditional model that most companies do and say, well, right now we don't have another role for you to kind of move into. Uh, we'll let you know, you know, at the end of the year, what that looks like to kind of do a little bit of a salary bump and increase. What he would actually do is he allocated a certain amount of finances and budget that he would, that he would call um, special projects and he would have special projects in every single department. So if anyone ever came to him and said, Hey, look, 
I, I'm looking to make more money with my role. And here are my reasons. Here's my personal desires. He was like, great. Well, the marketing team that you're on right now, they are here are these seven to 12 special projects. And here are the finances that are connected to these special projects. And if you want to apply to, to work on some of these. So it was kind of like a marketplace of all these special projects that you could work on and make more money. So that was like the closest thing that I found to like, meeting an employee where they are as it pertains to finances what are your as, as someone with a financial background and someone that cares about culture as well what are your thoughts on that kind of design yeah no I love that concept but I would once I, I would say and this is where it's going to depend for some people Please. yes it may be finances but you are seeing some you know large fortune 100 companies do that because the way the talent marketplace is going to be set up in the future is project-based that's why when I was talking about earlier that people should match career mapping to skill sets that's where it's leading to is project-based work it's no longer you know positions and titles in my opinion eventually will kind of get eliminated right yeah. so so i i'm a huge fan of that because for some people yes it'll be financial incentives but for some people like i was always motivated by like challenges and solving problems because i like doing stimulating work so if i could work on something that i could be like oh my god let me try to see if i can help solve this problem like i will put my hand up because i want to gain new skills and learn new things right um so i i think just having these kind of um options at organizations once again to your um uh saying is yeah people and culture it just it's so so impactful yeah 100 percent well, look, I really appreciated this. This was pretty fun. You know, I'm really enjoying some of these conversations I've been having. And I'm really enjoying getting back in the swing of just having other people on this podcast. You know, I've done I've done 700 plus episodes. There's like 300 plus interviews. But for there was a long stretch of time where I didn't have interviews. And it was me kind of just hopping on the mic here for 10, 15, 20 minutes and just sharing some thoughts. But um, I really appreciate you personally. Um, I appreciate your trust in having me work with the company. Um, I appreciate, you know, our, our growing friendship and, and I'm excited for, for this year to come. So, you know, just plug anything you want to plug, share any last quick thoughts, and then I'll let you get out of here. No, sounds good. And yeah, the feeling is mutual. I'm uh, looking forward to hit the ground running in 2023. I think, you know, there, even though there's a lot of uncertainty out there, I feel like this is where we're going to make some big moves and you will be definitely a part of the, the journey. And, and I think, you know, um, I appreciate you um, asking me to join you today. I hope we get an opportunity to do more of this. I think we share similar perspectives and insights. And I think the more awareness that we can create around these topics, I think is just going to be so helpful for, you know, people and HR leaders, DEIB leaders, people leaders, and talent leaders in organizations. A thousand percent. Well, well, thank you so much. Oh, any, any plugs you want to give any, any, anything you want people to, to kind of tune into? Um, yeah. If, I would say just follow us on LinkedIn, Diversal, that's D-I-V-E-R-C-I-A-L. Uh, we're always putting out some interesting uh, content and lists, like we just put our 2022 Rewind. We'll put some predictions up there for 2023. And I can promise you're going to find like really original pieces that you won't find anywhere else. 100%. And I know we haven't completely finalize all the details but there should or could or will be a diversal uh ongoing segment within this podcast hopefully in 2023 um during the first during the first quarter you know it's something you and i chatted about i think it'll be fun i think it'll be exciting and uh hopefully that will be that will be coming here soon so so th th thank you so much uh it was an honor and uh we'll talk soon okay thank you